Something unexpected happened to our family this week. If you asked my daughters, it would be that their dreams came true, their long-held hopes and prayers. But Bo and I, we were just along for the ride. It all started on Tuesday when I went to pick up my oldest daughter from her after-school program. I brought our little furball, Jasper, as is my custom, to get a few steps in with him on days that we can't go running. And as I entered the property of the school, I saw a small stray dog. You probably can imagine what comes next. I told Naya to not touch this dog, to not engage this dog in any way, shape, or form. And yet, this little dog followed us. I sternly told it to go home. I didn't look directly at it. Naya mostly complied with my demands to not encourage it. But despite all of our efforts to the contrary, this little dog walked with us. Not just trailing behind and watching us skittishly, not running off and running back, but right at my left foot, slightly behind me, for the entire mile to our house, we looked like a little family. As we walked, Naya said, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. And I thought, oh no, we have another dog. <laughs> sure enough, this little nugget has no microchip, so the animal control officer allowed us to keep her at our home. So while they put on a couple of pictures on the Humane Society website, we put her on our Nextdoor app, we put her on Facebook Lost and Found Dogs of San Antonio, so that the owner can have ample time to reclaim her if she wants. But as of the recording of this sermon, she is still hanging with us, seamlessly fitting in. Although she never <laughs> seems to have encountered stairs before, she was afraid to climb them and especially afraid to go down them. And she doesn't know how sliding glass doors work. She keeps running into them. But watch on Sunday, during the live Facebook feed, for then we should know for sure, and I will put it in the comments whether or not this little girl, Oreo, is really ours or not. And she might not be the sharpest tool in the shed, but she decided to go on a walk with us, and now we have found ourselves with a second dog on a regular Tuesday afternoon. Life is like this. It is full of unexpected twists and turns that fulfill some's dreams and others' nightmares. The only guarantee, it seems, is that things are not guaranteed to go exactly as planned. This is a bummer for most of us because most of us like to plan. But unfortunately, it's not a deterrent because we planners, we're inexhaustible, we're resilient, and we will continue to make plans and try to control outcomes no matter how many times it is proven futile. Can I get an amen? The scattered population of Jews outside of Israel to whom the prophet in the book of Isaiah chapter 40 speaks had realized that they could not make plans. They were finally done thinking that they could control the outcome of their journey. For generations, they had lived in hope that they might return to the land promised to their ancestors, a land far away, a city destroyed by violence, 
but they hoped nonetheless. So the people for whom this passage was written were tired. They were exhausted and they were hopeless after years of their highest hopes not coming to fruition. They were beyond making plans or dreaming to uproot, to travel, to rebuild. But the prophet encouraged them. It's okay if you don't have the power to dream dreams or the courage to. It's okay if you are weak. God does not grow tired. God's dreams are always bigger and better than our dreams anyway. So rest in that. Let God hope for you when you can't hope for yourself. God's dreams are sometimes like a little dog that just shows up out of the blue and decides that this is our life now, this togetherness. Not planned, not premeditated, but as real as the warm fur at our feet. This morning's epistle and gospel speak to similar themes. The epistle encourages the reader to stop trying to create the false dichotomies that get in the way of sharing the good news. There is no us and them. There is no either or. There is just the presence, the power, and the love of God. Cling to that first and foremost, and you cannot go wrong. The surprising accompaniment of God's grace and others on that same journey are not necessarily a part of our plan or our rules or what we think might be best, but they are from God nonetheless. The gospel then shows Jesus' first healing miracle, the healing of Simon's mother-in-law which led to many other healings and miracles. Although the disciples reminded Jesus at the last part of our pericope that there were many more people to heal and much more to do in Capernaum, Jesus resisted the invitation to stay and moved his ministry forward. He could have lived in that region. There's, he could have stayed there. He could have enjoyed local celebrity. Certainly many would have traveled to him. The word would have spread. And he could have had a comfortable and stable life. But Jesus knew that that comfortable, stable life was not his path. What the disciples thought was a good idea was not what Jesus' journey was. Jesus' journey was a way that embraced spontaneous connection. And it was a way that was going to people and reaching toward people rather than expecting that they would come to him. And it was a way that showed that Jesus was not tied to a particular place, but instead, Jesus belonged to all places and all people. The journey of the ancient Israelites, first century Christians wondering about who's in and who's out, Jesus's Ability to move forward from comfort into the great unknown of the divine encounter. And our own journeys are not what any of us would have planned. And yet, they are part of the amazing tapestry of God's plan. I think that it might be one of the most difficult lessons of life in faith 
that we, in fact, do not know what is best for us. My brothers and sisters, let me say that again. We do not, in fact, know what is best for us. That we, in fact, do not have ultimate power over our lives. But that we can always, always trust the one who does and know that God's plans are better than ours anyway. This week, the world lost a bright light. A dear friend of ours who was full of vibrancy and love, Tom, who was in a car accident a couple of weeks ago, and y'all have been praying for him, and I thank you for that, and his wife, Judy, and his daughters, Nikki and Remy, and his grandbabies. He succumbed to his injuries yesterday. And this man, he was so full of energy. He was so focused to the future. He had so many plans. He was a dreamer and an energetic lover of life. In his 70s, he rode miles and miles on his bike. When he got into his car accident, he had been hiking in the North Cascades. And now he's gone. None of us have any idea what life beyond the next bend will hold for us. If you would have told me last year that I would be preaching here in San Antonio, Texas, I would have laughed and then hyperventilated at the thought of such an upheaval of our lives. And yet, through death, through life, toward, through major changes in our life's path, God is with us. God's plans are better than ours, and nothing can stand in the way of God's grace. Not life, not death, not anything. This Lent, I think I can speak for all of us, <laughs> is not what any of us would have wanted. Not much about the last year in this pandemic life is. Every milestone that we looked forward to has been systematically canceled so that we are left with our drifting and waning hope for the end of this nightmare. So for the theme of our midweek journey this year, we are using Thomas Keating's welcoming prayer to greet and welcome each God-soaked moment because we know that not even this time of disruption can separate us from God's love and grace. This prayer will be a couple places in your Lenten bags and it will be read during our midweek services, and hopefully it will be hidden in your heart. I know it's a part of my daily practice, and it's so life-giving. It reads, Welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today because I know it's for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire for affection, esteem, approval, and pleasure. I let go of my desire for survival and security. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or even myself. I open to the love and presence of God and God's action within. Amen. This prayer, for me, has been revolutionary. 
It consistently convicts me of my white-knuckled grasp on my own plans and my own selfish and sinful tendencies, and it consistently opens my heart to accept and embrace what is so that I might encounter the great I am. This approach to life, this welcoming of what is, this knowing that God is with us, this trusting that God has God's best for us, it puts us in a posture to look at the unexpected and wonder, what is God up to now? Which is so much more life-giving than assuming that everything is ruined because it's not going according to our plans. What is God up to now? It allows us to respond with curiosity and grace rather than resistance and rigidity, embracing who and what accompanies us on this journey, and trusting the God who is worthy of our trust. I hope that as we pray this prayer throughout Lent, as a church, we will be put in this malleable space by our open hearts so that God can use us as God sees fit. Most of us have plans for what we want to happen next, but very few of our lives will go perfectly according to our plans, but they will go perfectly according to God's. Let's consider these seeming detours as the God-carved path and welcome them. Amen.